Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday sermon series, Christmas at the Movies. This series will highlight biblical truths from classic Christmas movies, such as Elf and Miracle on 34th Street. It's a fun way of revealing the true meaning of Christmas. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Welcome, everyone. We're glad you're here at Praise Chapel Paramount, and it's good to be back in Paramount, California. And if you don't know, my wife and I have been gone for a week, and uh, we were in Austin, Texas, uh, uh, visiting my son and uh, daughter-in-law and my little grandbaby, and so we got time to spend with them for a whole week. Thank you for uh, sending us. You guys did a pastor's appreciation in October. And so give yourself a hand. Thank you for sending us. We were there for a whole week. And uh, you know what? I enjoyed myself there in Austin, Texas. And man, everything is so far. I think the nearest uh, store was 17 minutes from where we were at. And I'm going, man, we've got to drive through all the farmland and all the dirt roads and everything else to get there. No, just just to get there, it takes a while. I said, nah, I like Los Angeles, man. I'm an L.A. boy. I love L.A. I don't know. I'll put it with the traffic. It don't matter. I just love L.A., and I love to be around people. And so, uh, but pray for them. I was also there. Uh, I got to minister in our church there. Uh, it's in Pflugerville, which is right outside of Austin. Uh, they have a powerful church. They just got a new building, uh, Angel and Desiree. And I'll tell you what, God's doing some good things in Austin, Pflugerville there. And also got a chance to get together with uh, Mike and Jessica. They're starting their new church. And so uh, lots of good things happening. want you guys to just continue to pray for them, continue to pray for that area. I believe we're there at the right time in the right place. Uh, uh, yesterday, I did a wedding yesterday. Jason and Marla got married, and so they're enjoying their honeymoon today. And so uh, it, it was a great, great time, and uh, being, being able to see them get married here in our church. And also today, right after the service, we're going to have another wedding. We're going to have Christian and Natalie going to get married. Uh, so... It's kind of one of those things. People get married. So if you want to get on board, let us know. Uh, just go get a marriage license and we'll marry you. That's how we do it around here. But we're, we're excited to, to be able to be a part of that and celebrate people coming together. And marriage is so special. And I such appreciate being a part of that. We are starting a new series this month. And it's kind of a strange, not strange, but kind of a different theme. We're calling it Christmas at the movies, and the reason we're doing that is we're taking some of the classic Christian or Christmas movies, some of them that have been very popular, maybe you grew up with some of them, and we're gathering and we're kind of gleaning some of the ideals and comparing them to God's Word and using them as an analogy to the original Christmas and to see how some of these themes and movie classics find their way into the Word of God. Believe it or not, a lot of these movie classics and a lot of these uh, Christmas movies uh, have a a Christian or a biblical theme behind it. And so the first movie we're going to do this morning, and then we're going to have a few movies as every Sunday, we're going to kind of just kind of show you a few clippings and let you know uh, maybe you might have seen this movie before. So I'll go ahead and play the video. You've probably seen this movie, so show the clip for us. All right, you can clap your hands. That's all right. 
Uh, so this movie, a Miracle on 34th Street, again, we're going to use it as an analogy. But how many, I'm interested, how many have actually seen the movie? Anybody here actually seen it? All right. Some of these, some of us older folks, man, we know what we were talking about. And so uh, some of you younger folks said, what is that? You know, some of you young people think Star Wars is a Christmas movie. It's not. It's not. Aquaman's not a Christmas movie. Uh, they come out during Christmas time. And some of you other guys think Godfather is a Christmas movie. It's not. Yeah, they show the Christmas marathon or something like that. But Miracle on 34th Street is the classic. Uh, and, of course, I'm not going to try to be a movie spoiler here, but it's a little girl who chooses to believe in Santa, or his name is Chris Kringle, uh, against her mom's wishes, against the culture of that time. And she chooses to believe in Santa when everybody else doesn't. And at one point, if you... Watch the movie, you'll see that Chris Kringle is put on court or he's put in trial and they have to prove that he's Santa. And in the end, there's an incredible miracle, I won't tell you, that happens in the family. And of course, Santa gets all of the credit and all of the glory. And as you see in this movie clip, the last thing that it says, and I kind of want to focus on that, it says, this Christmas, we want to give you something to believe in. And here's the reality this morning, when we think about that and when we talk about things in terms of beliefs and in terms of miracles, many times we don't believe. And what I want to do this morning is get you to realize that God does want to do a miracle, not just on 34th Street. God wants to do a miracle on your street. God wants to do a miracle in your life, in your home, in your job, in your situation. And it's really hard today to believe that because many times we don't believe in miracles. And again, let me repeat that phrase. Uh, this Christmas, we want to give you something to believe in. And I want to give you something to believe in this morning that is tangible, something you can have complete confidence in, something today that you can realize that uh, a miracle really starts in faith. It starts you and I having faith in something that is real. And so today, I want to give you a reality and tell you that there is something real that you can believe in because most people don't believe in miracles. See, a miracle is not a trick. A miracle is not a bunch of smoke and mirrors that, that a magician makes. Uh, those things are, are all phony and, and uh, you know, they all, there's always some kind of illusion behind it. Uh, but a miracle is something God can do that is supernatural. And when you think about a miracle, we have to go back to the original Christmas story, which is the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says his name shall be Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God is with us. And when we think about that miracle, to think that God came to the earth as a human being is a miracle. That God would come and enter into a human body and live on this earth is a miracle if you think about it when you begin to read the word of God and there's always questions about what's a miracle what's this and what's that and yet the Bible says that God can call into existence something that is not there into something to be there are you with me in other words those things that are not as though they are and so the scripture definitely tells us time and time again that God can do supernatural things in fact in Romans chapter 4 Verse 17, it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham, and he said, before God whom he believed and who raises the dead and calls those things that do not exist 
as though they do or as though they did. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning as we get into this message today. And I want you to just pray with me here for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Your word is so true. Your promises are true. We could rely on that. We have complete confidence in who you are. And Lord, today that you would remove the skepticism from our minds and hearts and so many things, Lord, that cloud our mind from believing and having faith in you. And I pray today that if there be people here today that don't know you, that God, they would surrender their hearts to you this morning. I pray that you would remove every distraction and help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray today that the word would become real. It will become relevant to everyone listening. And Father, you would anoint every word that I speak and the people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name. And the people said? Amen. So the Bible said that God gives new life to things that are dead. He even does this in the physical realm. In other words, that God's able to perform healing and bring life to those that are dead. I've seen God heal people that have been sick, those that have had disabilities. I've seen God do it. I've seen supernatural miracles of God where people that were sick or there was some kind of a terminal illness or there was some kind of diagnosis that the doctors had said this person is not going to live and yet God healed that person. I remember uh, having a friend, and this was years ago. I was just a, a brand-new Christian, and I'll just tell you the story. I, I was a brand-new Christian, and, and I invited my friend to church, and he started coming. And I remember that uh, his brother was uh, uh, very sick, and I knew his older brother. And uh, his older brother showed up at his job, and uh, he told my friend that he was sick, and the doctor had diagnosed him with cirrhosis of the liver. And had given him six months to live. And his stomach was really bloated. And uh, he said, you know, I'm having difficulty eating. All these different. He, he told my friend all of the symptoms about what was wrong with him. And, uh, you know, he said, um, you know, maybe I, can, maybe I can go to the church and someone can pray for me. He said, sure. And so he, he, we happened to have a service that night to his Friend, uh, my friend and his brother showed up. I remember his brother. He used to be a drinker. I mean, he was he was a boozer, man. Every time I seen him, he'd just be drinking. And so I remember he showed up to the church, and sure enough, he had a bloated stomach, and uh, uh, you know, he, he his color, his color, and his skin, his eyes, they, they didn't look good. And uh, my friend said, you know, my brother's here, and I said, wow, man, this this is uh, we're going to pray for him today. And I, I remember I was just a new Christian, and, and I remember we had a guest speaker, and this was really miraculous. We had this guest speaker come, and he was ministering, and at the end, he said, I want to pray for some people. And out of nowhere, he said, there's somebody here, and the doctor says you have six months to live, and you have cirrhosis of the liver. There was no way. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way. This guy doesn't know us. He doesn't know my friend. He doesn't know the story. He doesn't, there is no way he could possibly know. And so my friend's brother came up. He prayed for him, and there was nothing instantly that happened. I just know that as months went by, he went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, we can't find anything wrong with you. I, I call that a miracle. I don't know about you. 
And I remember watching this guy, and, you know, he lived, and I'm just thinking, my goodness, this guy was given a six-month sentence, man, and uh, there is no way that pastor could have known. There is no way uh, that he would knew that he was going to show up that night uh, and that he had went. And I, I put all that together and realized that God is the God of miracles. God can also heal some of our emotional things that we go through. A lot of us have some emotional trauma. We can't control what people have said to us or what people have said things to us and how they wounded us and all these different things. But I'm here to tell you that God can heal some of your emotional wounds. And I've seen God do that in people's lives who, who, uh, who grew up very abused and grew up in a very neglectful family and seen God heal them. I've also seen spiritual miracles. And what I, what I mean by that is where there's been someone that's coming to the church or even a church that has been there for years and all of a sudden new life comes into that church and and people begin to give their life to christ in 1906 they call it the azusa street revival within azusa street los angeles where people begin to pray and all of a sudden uh, the holy spirit begin to move and people begin to get right with god people uh, uh, bars were closed i mean all these things happened there what we call a spiritual awakening so I know that God is the God of the supernatural. You may be here today and you need prayer for your family. You need a miracle in your family. You need a miracle in some relationships in your life today. And I'm here to tell you that there is a God of miracles. Hallelujah. And throughout the Bible, he is the God of miracles. In fact, when you begin to watch TV and some of the television shows this uh, this uh, during this month especially hallmark any, any hallmark watchers here and <laughs> lifetime watchers you know all those chick movies you know what i'm talking about and and my wife records them you know and, and i have to watch them now now i kind of enjoy them now now i'm actually tear you know crying with her on the side there but anyway uh I think, you know, why don't they have, like, Terminator uh, marathons on Hallmark or, like, they don't have that kind of stuff. Uh, because it's always about something happening, and, and uh, it, it really, a lot of them have miracles behind them. And, and so when I think about the original Christmas, there was all kinds of miracles that took place even before Christ was born. The Bible tells us that an angel had appeared to Zacharias uh, announcing that Elizabeth would have a baby. Uh, uh, Gabriel, the angel, came to Mary announcing that she would have a baby. The wise men followed a star to where the baby was. The angels uh, pronounced the, 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 the birth of Christ. So all of these miracles took place. And the greatest miracle, of course, was the virgin having a baby. Could you imagine a virgin having a baby? Here is this woman that was not, had never been intimate with a man, and yet she became pregnant. Could you imagine the National Enquirer on her? Who's the father? Woman said it's God. You know what I'm saying? And all these different things. And all, all these different things that could have, uh, the speculation that could have took place. And yet over and over we see that the Bible says God became a man or God became a human being. In fact, Paul the Apostle said it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He said, without question, great is the mystery of godliness. God was revealed in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, 
preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and taken up to glory. It's talking about Christ. And then the Bible says in John chapter 1, talking about the Word, the Word represents Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him. Without him, nothing was created that was created. And jump down to verse 14. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. The glory as the only son of God, or son of, son of the father, full of grace and truth. So miracles surrounded the original Christmas story greater than the miracles that we see on 34th Street. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you could experience a Christmas miracle? Wouldn't it be nice if you and I, as an individual, can experience a miracle of God? And I'm here to tell you that you can't. Throughout the Word of God, people have been skeptical. So skeptics is not something new. You may be here and you're kind of skeptical of a miracle. You're skeptical of God really doing a miracle, uh, something supernatural. You may, may want to say, oh, there's a reason for everything. There's a coincidence. I'm here to tell you there's a God of miracles, things that man could not put together, even like a story I just told you. And I can tell you story after story of the miraculous power of God, and God is the God of miracles. Yet the Bible says... Even in Scripture, there were men who doubted God. One was by the guy, guy by the name of Gideon. He's in the Old Testament, and he's hiding wheat uh, from the enemy. The enemy keeps coming and taking their harvest, and finally an angel shows up and speaks to him. And even as the angel speaks to him, I, I, I don't know about you, but if an angel spoke to me, I'd become a believer right away. But he's not even believing. The angel's telling him, hey, you're a mighty man, a warrior. You're going to do this. And he says this in the book of Judges. He says, uh, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this stuff happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our father told us about? And maybe you're here today and you're saying the same thing. Where are the miracles? Pastor, where are the miracles? Where are the miracles that you're talking about? Where is the miracle in my life? Where is the miracle in this and the miracle in that? And maybe you're here, you need a miracle in your marriage. I'm here to tell you God can heal your marriage. You say, man, my marriage is on the rocks. My marriage is having a lot of trouble. Uh, my family is having a lot of issues. Uh, there's been a fracture in my family. There, there, you know, our family has been severed by all kinds of things. I'm here to tell you that God can heal that. Maybe you're here, you need a miracle in finances. You, you need a financial miracle. You're, you're saying, man, you know, uh, I, I'm looking for a miracle. I'm looking for God to provide. The Bible said that God provided for the people of Israel. And he gave them manna from heaven. And, and he still knows how to whip up a miracle. Miracle whip. Amen. He knows how to do it. God is the God of miracles. Yeah, I know it's a little corny, but he, I thought it might work. So Luke chapter 1. Let's go into Luke chapter 1. I may have some corny jokes as we go along, but if you guys will encourage me, I'd feel a lot better. Our 9 o'clock service, they didn't do too well. They were, they were like, boom, 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 boom. I just kept hearing a drum beat in the background. But in Luke chapter 1, we get to see the greatest miracle, the first miracle, the first Christmas, the birth of Christ. And we see the announcement and how it all took place 
And Luke chapter 1, verse 26, I want to just read a, a number of verses of the scripture to give you an idea here. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, we're going to talk about Nazareth in just a moment, but this is the most unlikely city that an angel should even go to. And so he goes to there, and he goes to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming, coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will ring over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for this reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative, which was her older cousin, Elizabeth, also has conceived a son in her old age. And she uh, was called barren is now in her sixth month. Of course, she later had John the Baptist, we know. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord. In other words, I'm a bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. From her. Now, let me just tell you something about Mary. Because it sounds like a movie, right? Something about Mary that we can learn from her today. Uh, she experienced a tremendous miracle, and I believe there are three characteristics to Mary that really uh, begin to be a, a prerequisite of that miracle. In other words, it, it positioned her to receive that miracle. Many times we want a miracle for, from God, but we, we're not positioned for a miracle. We don't position our lives right. There are things that we don't have in alignment with God. Uh, Mary did not earn the miracle, but she was in the right place, positioned for a miracle to happen. And I believe the number one thing that we can see in Mary's life is that she was humble. Say humble. Humbleness is very hard these days. People today don't seem to be humble. They seem to be very prideful. And we find a lot of prideful people. And they're so proud. They think they got it all together. At least they act that way. And yet what we see, and they're wondering why they don't have a miracle happen, because they're so proud. And their pride is their downfall. But Mary is a person with a very humble attitude. And the Bible says that, it happened that as the angel told Mary that she was going to have the Son of God, she also, he also revealed that her cousin Elizabeth was now pregnant. And Elizabeth had passed the age of childbearing. Her cousin, her older cousin, was no way she could have any children. And yet the scripture says uh, that's exactly what the angel said. In fact, your older cousin Elizabeth is six months 
pregnant, so we already see the miracle of God. The, all, the other miracle was that the angel of God shows up in Galilee in a city called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, if you want to know, did not have a good pop, uh, uh, reputation. Nazareth, we, we, we would call the hood. You know what I'm talking about? It was the hood. There's no way. If the angel is going to show up to any city, he's not going to show up uh, in, in the hood. May, he might show up in Beverly Hills or in a nice city or, uh, you know, in, in that area of Pacific Palisade, but, you know, not, not in Paramount. You know what I'm saying? No. Paramount used to actually have a pretty bad reputation. I don't know how many of you uh, know this, but in 1980, Paramount was rated one of the fourth worst cities in America. Did you know that? In fact, I remember coming down here and, and there would be sometimes, you know, you, I'd come to the swap meet and, uh, it, you know, the drive-in and then they had the Rosecrans swap meet. I mean, Rosecrans drive-in over here. Some of you guys kind of remember that. All right. Right on. We're the same age. Okay. So anyway, the young people are going, what are you talking about? But you'll learn something. Just listen, okay? And it, it, was, it was rated a very bad place and uh, the news got out, and the churches and uh, the city officials got together and said, we have to make a difference here. And uh, the rest is history. They begin to work together, the churches, the school district, and uh, the city begin to work together. And it really transformed the city. And now I love living in Paramount, or being a part of Paramount here and having this church here. And uh, I'll tell you what, I believe God put us here. But at one time, this was not the place to be. And so this angel shows up in Nazareth announcing that Mary was going to have a son. Now, Mary, many believe, was about 16 years old. She was a young girl. We don't know what she was doing when the angel showed up. We don't know if she was maybe cleaning the house. Maybe she was, you know, moving a little bit and dancing. We don't know what she was doing. But, but the angel shows up and announces to her that you are the favored one. He said, you, uh, you're the one that God has favored. In other words, God has endowed you with grace. Uh, the grace wasn't something that inherently she had, but the grace was something that God put on her. And the reason why that grace was put on her is because Mary had a, a spirit of humility. Mary was humble. In fact, this is what the Bible says about people that are prideful in James chapter 4. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be the opposer. And the Bible says God opposes proud people. Because the proud person always thinks they got it all together. They think they're so special. They think they walk around like they're a big shot. They walk around like, man, don't mess with me and all of this. I don't know about you, man, but I, I'd rather be humble than get humbled. I've been around people that are very prideful, but the moment they got sick, their, their pride went down. They want prayer right away. Everything changes. Everything shifts. The moment something happens, an accident happens, all of the pride goes away. They realize you're nothing without God. And everything you have is because of God's grace. You say, well, I work hard for my money. That's good, but you know what? Who gave you those hands to work? Who gave you that brain? Who gave you those eyes? Who gave you those hands? God did. It's God's favor. It's God's grace. You didn't do it on your own. You're not a self-made man. And so many times we think that, that we do it all together, and the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. 
Now we're 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 watching NFL this uh, you know we're in NFL season and I know there's a lot of different teams out there. I'm, I'm not going to talk about your team. My team got humbled last week and hopefully yeah, it's okay. Your team's going to be humbled this week anyway. So we're we're talking about NFL teams and different things but but the, but you know one of the things that that happens if you're a quarterback the the opposing defense is trying to get you and you're trying to block the opposer your your linemen are trying to block that opposer can you imagine if god was on the opposite side man you might as well give up you can't block him and so the bible said that god opposes the proud we have to learn how to be more humble and we have to learn to respect and reverence god because god's bigger than you in fact even king david Remember, King David is the one that killed Goliath, chopped off his head. King David was a warrior. King David was the one that led military uh, 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 armies and all of these things, and yet he was very humble. Look at what he says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. He says, Who am I, Lord, and what is my father's house that you have brought me this far? He said, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm zero, man. Compared to who you are, I, I even can't believe you're considering me because David understood everything that he was, everything that he had was because of God. And I've watched people been, uh, you know, knocked down. I've seen people being brought low because they're so prideful and they don't realize their pride is their destruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling so being proud is not a good thing i'm going to just tell you that right now if you got pride it is not a good thing the bible says whoever humbles himself shall be exalted and whoever exalts himself shall be humbled i'll tell you the story about the frog you ready for this okay there's this frog and he had some friends that were birds i don't know how it came together but they were having a great time and then it turned cold, and the birds were flying south for the winter. And the frog said, I, I want to go south with you guys. I want to go down to the border. Amen. But he knew there was no way he could get there. He couldn't hop there. He couldn't fly there. So he said, man, he goes, uh, how are we going to do this? And so he said to the birds, you know what? I got an idea. He got a stick, and he said, I realize that if, if you will take one end of the stick in your beak... And my other bird friend will take one of the end of the stick on his beak. Then I'll clamp down in the middle of the stick. Then we can take off and we can fly together. And so they said, you know, you know what? I think we could do that. And so they took off. And there's this frog in the middle of the stick. These two birds are flying together. And everything seems good. And they pass over some farmers. And these farmers said, wow, look at that. That's ingenious. I wonder what genius came up with this plan. And the frog opened his mouth and said, I did. Yeah, see how corny it was? But anyway, come on, guys. I did. I did. Oh, you guys are bad. I thought it was good, but anyway. You come up here and try it anyway. See, I had a second joke, but I'm not going to share it now because you guys, you guys were bad. You guys are laughing. Now, nah, I'm going to move on. All right, you ready? I, I, I might have shared this before. Muhammad Ali was on a plane. <laughs> and they said, time to put your seatbelt on, sir. And he goes, uh, a superman don't need a seatbelt. 
And the waitress said, Superman don't need an, air, an airplane either. Put on your seatbelt and buckle up. <laughs> See, that's pride. Put on a seatbelt. Anyway, the second thing we see about Mary is that she believes. They believe. You want to see a miracle of God, it's going to start with you believing and having faith. It really does. It's the seed that needs to be in our heart. Mary was a believer. She positioned herself to believe. She said, whatever God's will is for my life, I'm willing to do. And the Bible says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to her, one of the first things the angel says to her is, fear not. Now, I often wonder in Scripture, when an angel shows up and says, fear not, there may be something you should fear when you see an angel. I don't know what it is about an angel, whether it's his glory, whether how large an angel looks, but somehow it really overwhelms you. And the Bible says that the angel says to her, fear not. And basically, God has favored you. And she says, uh, man, uh, she is so grateful that she's been chosen. Uh, and she says, you know what? I'm just a servant. I'm a bond servant. Let it be done to me as you have said. And I believe that's what it's going to take for you and I to believe God. We've got to be willing to trust God. We've got to be willing to say, God, whatever you want, I'm, I'm willing to believe that. In fact, Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So believing is not always seen. Believing is being able to even have faith even though you don't believe. God allows us many times to ask questions even though we, we believe God, you're still allowed to ask questions. Mary still asked the question. She said, how can this thing be? How can I be pregnant? How can I get pregnant if I'm a virgin? Now, she wasn't doubting. She just wasn't understanding how it could happen. She believed God could do it. She was wondering, can you explain it to me? How is this even possible? How is this going to happen? Many times we ask questions, and we ask questions in doubt rather than in belief. We say, well, God can't do that. Well, then if you don't believe, then it's not going to happen. She was saying, Lord, I believe, but how, explain how it's going to happen. How is this even possible? And, of course, the angel tells her the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and that's how it's going to happen. It's going to be the seed of the woman, not the seed of man. It's going to be a seed of the woman. From the seed of the woman, the birth of Christ is going to come, but it's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible tells her, or the Bible says that, all of a sudden, uh, uh, here's Mary, and she's asking the question, but it's a question in belief. On the other hand, many times we can ask God's question, but with disbelief. We don't want to believe God. In fact, the Bible says when the angel appeared to Zacharias, which was Elizabeth's husband, and said, hey, your, your wife, we know that she's past childbearing age. She's going to have a baby. He tells, he tells the angel, how shall I know for certain for I am old and my wife is in advanced years. And the angel said, you do not believe my words. Therefore, you're going to be mute until the baby is born. For your unbelief, guess what? You're not talking until that baby's born. That man shut his trap for a whole nine months. Some of your wives said, man, can we pray that for my husband? No. What I'm saying to you is his unbelief. 
caused him, amen, uh, for him not giving, you know, not having the ability to speak. And here we're seeing that there's a difference because he was doubting. Friend, we've got to believe God. There are, there are situations in our life. God, we can ask God, Lord, I believe you. I see your goodness. I just don't understand why I lost my job. I don't understand why uh, this person is sick. I don't understand why this person passed away, God. I still see your goodness. I know you're good, but I'm wondering, God, I still have questions. These are not questions of doubt or unbelief. We're trying to understand what God is doing, and sometimes we have to ask God to help us understand. Don't try to come up with your own theory. I, I talk to people, and they have their own theory, their own philosophy. And I'll tell you what, you're in left field. You're nowhere near what God is trying to do. Because people kind of come up with their own. And what happens is they get filled with so much unbelief, they become bitter with God rather than believing what God can do. The Bible says that God's promises are for you and your children. How many believe that? God's promises are for you. You've got to hold on to the promises of God. I mean, you got to hold on like on um, Black Friday, like you're holding on to the TV and that other guy's pulling it to you. got to hold on to your promise. Don't let him yank it away. You know what I'm talking about? Don't let him yank that little TV from you, whatever you're holding on to. Uh, because, friend, uh, the promises of God are for you. In fact, the Bible said when God appeared to Abraham and told Abraham, you know what, Abraham, your wife is going to have a baby and they were, they were up in their 90s. They were 90 years old already. And the Bible said that Sarah is in the tent, and she's laughing to herself. She said, oh, yeah, right. I'm past my childbearing. And she laughed. And the angel of God looked at her and said, don't laugh. I heard you laugh. She goes, I didn't laugh. Let me tell you, God knows what you're doing, okay? <laughs> Lasting. Now, now you got to double whelm me. Now you're lying again for not laughing or for not admitting you're laughing. And then she goes, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh, he said. And then she has a baby 10 years later, and the scripture says that she names him Isaac, and guess what Isaac means? Laughter. God has the last laugh. Can you say amen? He really does. <laughs> names him laughter because uh, I'm here to tell you, God is the God of miracles. All we got to do is believe. I said, we got to believe today. Amen. The last thing, and I'm going to just say this to you, that for us to receive a miracle, it not only do we need to believe, not only do we need to be humble, but we need to surrender. Say surrender. surrender. That is the key, I believe, to the greatest miracles of God is surrender. The greatest miracles that I see today are sitting in this room. The lives of people that have been transformed and changed by the power of God. I've seen, amen, you are a walking miracle. And the reason for that is surrender. Most people don't receive that miracle because they won't surrender. Their pride will take them to hell. They won't surrender to what God is trying to do. The Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 1, when the angel said to her, you're going to have a son, she said, behold, she said, the bondservant of the Lord, she said, be it done to me according to your word. And she said, for he has regard this humble state of this bond servant. So Mary is saying, you know what? I surrender. I completely let it be done according to your word. Whatever you say, Lord, I'll do, I'll do it. I'll surrender to you. I'll yield to whatever you have for my life. God, I'm not going to go in my direction. I'm going to go in the direction that you want me to go in. And that's really the key to a miracle is that we're willing to surrender. We're willing to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. 
I'm not going to do things my way, but I'm going to do things according to your will. I, I've seen miracle after miracle when people yield themselves to God. I've seen supernatural miracles. I, I'll share this last miracle that I, I remember years ago having a young man come into our church and and uh, he came in, and, and uh, he was, he, he, he'd married, and uh, I, as I began to talk to him, uh, I realized that he had previously been married years before, and uh, he had five children uh, with his previous wife, and now he was newly married, and, or a few years married with his new wife, and, and as we began to talk, he said, Pastor, you know, I want to get things right, and I said, okay, what's, what's the problem? He said, well... Before I got married, you know, I was married before and all of these. Now I'm married now and, and I'm happy. But you know what? I owed a lot of child support. I said, you do got a problem. Man, well, how much? What, what is it? He said, I owe $79,000. But I want to make it right. I go, man, do you have $79,000? How are we going to do this? And so he said, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, we're going to have to pray. We're just going to have to believe God. And he said, you know, I, I don't want to be a deadbeat dad. I need to be responsible now that I'm a Christian. And, and uh, you know, my children are living uh, with my ex-wife and all these things. And, and I want to get my life right. I, I want to just get these things in order. I, I, I was totally just doing my thing. I said, okay, well, let's pray. Let's believe God. Somehow, miraculously, I can't even tell you, but somehow they forgave him for half of it. So he was down to half. I mean, he still owed like 40 grand. And I said, okay, well, you know. And then as time went on, his children uh, began to already, some of them were in teenage years already. They began to see the change in his life. So one by one, they, became, they came to live with him. And uh, I don't know, I guess they forgive whatever or they stop taking or deducting money from, I don't know how it all works, guys. Some of you guys do, don't raise your hand. But anyway, how... <laughs> And so as that began to happen, began to pay off some of the debt. Again, I don't know all the dynamics of how that works, but I just know that more and more, and before you know it, he had all five of them living with him. I mean, it was awesome. They would just fill the church. As soon as I'd open the door, the little tribe would come in. Here they are right here. If I had a little crowd, I could just count on that family. They'd fill up the doors. And I, I remember this was back, back in 2099, 2000, and uh, he finally paid off that whole debt. All that got taken care of. God blessed him. God blessed his wife with a job. Uh, his job began to prosper. Uh, he, he purchased a house, uh, bought a house in La Mirada, a nice big house there. God blessed him financially. His kids uh, grew up in this church, were involved. Uh, and today he's pastoring a church, uh, living for God, because God is the God of miracles. You know, most people would have said, that guy's not going to make it. His, his life is ruined. But somehow, God supernaturally, as he surrendered his life to Christ, and I, I can tell you, God's a greater miracle in his life, just individually, because he was bound in drugs and all these things, and God did something supernatural. I can't even explain it to you. I can't even explain how it all happened. I can only tell you that it did. But the key was that this young man surrendered his heart to Christ. And when you surrender your heart to God, the greatest miracle will happen in your life. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.